G'day, and welcome to the Fasting Highway Podcast, the podcast that's all about intermittent fasting. I'm your host, Graham Curry from Perth, Australia. I lost 60 kilograms or 132 pounds living an intermittent fasting lifestyle and have successfully maintained that weight loss. I'm also the author of the Amazon category best-selling book, The Fasting Highway, which will give you a great insight into what it's actually like to live it day to day, how to get started, what it's about, what are some of the health benefits that come from it, and how to turn it into a successful long-term lifestyle. In this series of podcasts, you'll be hearing from people from all over the world, from the beginners to the experienced and those that are on the journey. You'll also be hearing from some leaders in the intermittent fasting community, and you'll also be hearing from some past guests as we recheck in to see how they've been going. And thank you for joining us here on the Fasting Highway. Enjoy the show. G'day, and welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast. And this is episode 117. And just before we get to today's exciting guest, I just wanted to give a personal vote of thanks to all those people out there that have been buying my book, The Fasting Highway, on Amazon and both paperback and Kindle. Uh, Thank you so much. It means a lot and it really helps support the podcast. And we're trying to keep it commercial free by you purchasing those copies on Amazon. It helps us to do that. Also, folks, I wanted to give a big shout out to the members of the Fasting Highway Facebook community. Uh, if you want to come and join us, uh, do so. It's a free community to join online and Facebook. And we get a lot of support there, people from beginners to the middle stages to those that have firmly been in maintenance for a number of years who could offer up some experience. So make sure you get hold of us there on Facebook. Okay, let's get to today's exciting guest. And I'm going to be speaking with Karen Cahill. And Karen is 58 years old and she was born in England. But her parents emigrated to New Zealand when she was nine years old, where she went through the school system and teachers college in Christchurch, New Zealand, and taught elementary school for a few years before heading overseas. She lived in Japan for four years and in Seoul, Korea for four years teaching English before settling in the US. And Karen has traveled extensively and loves living life and learning about other cultures. And Karen lives in Atlanta, Georgia, there in the United States, and she works as an advertising and marketing person and has one growing son who lives in Chicago. And she's lucky enough to have a mum and a sister live three minutes away. And her extended family is in the US and UK, but she's still in touch with friends she has all over the world. And Karen loves cooking, eating, reading and travel. And she's had quite an amazing intermittent fasting journey, and she's here to tell us all about that today. So welcome, Karen Cahill. Oh, g'day, Karen, and welcome to the Fasting Highway, and thank you so much for joining me all the way there from Georgia in the United States. Thanks, Graham. It's good to be with you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Pretty strange to hear a Kiwi accent there in the United States, and uh, we'll touch on that a bit later. But, Karen, for people around the world that don't know you, the Fasting Highway is now heard in some 50 countries right around the world. If you would mind sharing a bit of your backstory and any issues you had with weight and health in your life and sort of what led you to a path to intermittent fasting? Right. So, um, you know, I was a pretty normal kid. Um, I was actually born in England um, and lived in England until I was nine. And then my family emigrated to New Zealand, which is really what I, the place that I call home. Um And, you know, I had a pretty normal childhood. I was always kind of a bigger kid. Um, 
But, you know, growing up in New Zealand, it's a very active life. You know, we're always down the beach doing something, riding our bikes outside, you know, enjoying, you know, the great New Zealand weather. So um, it probably wasn't, you know, really a huge issue for me until I got maybe more into high school. You know, I also sort of had the benefit of a really good home. You know, we had a veggie garden. We always ate very healthy foods, you know, lots of home-cooked meals, lots of fresh fruit and veggies, you know, just typical, the typical sort of Kiwi life, um, and it was great. But the weight was sort of always kind of an issue for me. You know, I think sort of I'd take up more after my dad's side of the family, and they're, you know, as we like to say, bigger boned, but... And, you know, um, my mom's side, people on her side don't have a weight issue. But, you know, a number of my extended family on my dad's side are, you know, bigger and heavier people. And so I'm, you know, just followed that suit. Um, so, yeah, it was always it was always kind of a thing, you know, just sort of those sort of dieting uh, that diet mentality, you know, well, I'll just stop eating this and I won't eat that and, um, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but I guess really, you know, the majority of the weight started to come on when I was pregnant. I gained a good deal of weight with, with my son. Um, I can't really remember, to be honest with you, how much weight I gained, but you know, and then as a lot of moms will know, it's just not really easy to get rid of it. When I was 40, I was diagnosed with breast breast cancer. And, you know, I had all the, the treatments and the chemo and the radiation and the whole thing. And, um, you know, I was on some pretty aggressive medications for about five years there. And, um, you know, they cause a lot of physical issues you know difficulty with joints and movement and that sort of thing and so I feel like I just then started to be able to move less and less and you know it was just really a case of getting through the day I mean I always worked full time and so you know by the time you you work and come home and eat dinner and you know watch telly for a bit it's sort of the end of the day and you know I, I work pretty much in a desk job um these days, I used to be a teacher, but um, since I lived here, I've sort of, you know, been in a desk job. So, you know, really wasn't exercising that much. And, you know, it's just like that sort of the, the rolling stone that gathers the moss, right? It was just, just gathering the weight um, and never really attacking it. And, yeah, so that's sort of my story with, with the weight, I, st- I had a couple of kidney stones in 2000, uh, 2020, which if anybody's had a kidney stone, you will know it's the most horrendous pain and discomfort. You know, the doctor said, well, you know, just up your water intake and try and avoid this and avoid that. And um, so I'm, not, I'm, you know, on board with that, trying to drink all my water and, you know, really up to that. And um that's not a difficult thing to do in Atlanta in the summer because you're always thirsty because it's so hot that you're always sweating. So um, that worked. And then sort of about the same time, I had a conversation with um, my boss and he was talking about, uh, he himself had lost, I think, 120 pounds a few years ago. He was talking to me about his brother and he said how concerned he was because his brother did not have good health. 
he was overweight, you know, he didn't really look after himself properly. It just really set me to thinking that, you know, I didn't want to get any older and not be in better health. So that was really sort of the thing that drove me to really consider, like, I got to get this weight under control. I got to do something. So back in probably about October um, of 2020, I started, I quit drinking completely, um, always loved to have a cocktail and glass of wine. And um, I think probably like everybody, when COVID hit, I was doing that more than I possibly should have. Um, so I quit drinking completely. I sort of was really just calorie counting, right? And fault management and, you know, trying to um, stay away from, you know, sugars and carbs and all of that sort of thing. And to be honest, it was, it was bloody miserable. It was horrible. Um, I did manage to lose, I think, probably about 35 pounds. But, like, there's no way that that kind of lifestyle is sustainable for me. I can't – I can't um, – I just can't do it. Like – I love cooking, I love eating, I love socializing, I love hanging out with my friends and my family, and it was just so restricting. Um, so I had lost, you know, that 35 pounds, and I think that sort of, you know, gave me that kind of impetus to keep going. And about that time, or I think maybe April um, of 2021, I connected on Facebook with a Kiwi gal, Susan Metz, who is has been phenomenal and she um, has started up a little Facebook group um, and so I joined and she gave me sort of like the basic overview of everything I'm like listen I don't eat breakfast I've never eaten breakfast I can do this I can fast and so I started um, I started in April of 2021, so I'm coming up on my first year doing IF. Um, and so Susan recommended a couple of books, um, Fast Feast Repeat by Jen Stevens, our friend in Atlanta here or um, in Georgia, and um, The Obesity Code by Dr. Jason Fung. So I started with The Obesity Code and then I read Fast Feast Repeat, and I think I read them both in like two days or something. Something really, really clicked. I think the the science just makes sense. And I've never heard, you know, of weight issues and obesity. I've never heard about it talked. I've never heard it talked about in these terms, right? And so I learned so much, and you learn that, no, you're not, you know, you don't eat bad. You don't eat all the wrong things. You know, you you just have maybe insulin resistant. Maybe you just haven't found the thing that works for you. And um, so pretty, pretty quickly, I sort of just got into the routine. Now, when I started, and a lot of a lot of Kiwis and Aussies and Brits will feel me on this one. Um, you know, a cup of tea in the morning with a little bit of milk in it is how many of us start our day. And the thought of giving up that one splash of milk in my tea, 
I really resisted. So um, I kept going with that for a while. And after about six weeks, I'm like, if I can fast for 22 hours a day, I can quit milk in my tea, which I did. Um, and so then I was sort of really on the clean fast. And um, I guess I pretty much, I was reasonably aggressive. I think I started with like 20 hours fasting in a four hour eating window. And, um, and then that sort of has moved just to one meal a day, which I love. And then maybe a slightly longer window at the weekends, maybe uh, 24 or 19, five, or just depends what's going on. So that's how I came to intermittent fasting and I'm, I'm, I'm in, I love it. It's a great, great lifestyle. Fantastic. That's a really great backstory. And I love the mindset you talked about there, particularly around that clean fast. And we'll get to that in a minute. But we'll talk about the stats for a minute now. I know people love to know that, Karen, if you don't mind sharing. Um, sort of you mentioned there that you'd lost 35 pounds with that really restrictive sort of calories in, calories out that you were doing, which you hated. And then sort of talk about your highest weight. And then when you came to intermittent fasting, after losing that 35 pounds, when you first started after you read Fast Feast Repeat, you know, obesity code, et cetera, what sort of weight were you when you started and what month was that? Yeah, so, you know, my memory's horrible and I'm not really good with the numbers. And I think probably I just never weighed. So I really don't know my highest weight. But I think I was probably around, I'm five foot six. Um, and I was probably around 289 when I started. And then I lost the 35 with that calories, calorie, you know, withholding calories, as I call it. Um, and but so in total, I've lost about 100 pounds. So I'm down around maybe 186 now. Yeah, a lot of people say, well, what's your goal weight? I'm like, I don't know what my goal weight is. I really don't. I'll know it when I get there. So, um, yeah, I don't really have that kind of goal weight. And, in fact, um, I'm sort of really less concerned with the weight these days than how I feel. And, you know, a lot of people talk about that. Um, I still way most days just because I like the data but I must say that recently I'm sort of less um, you know I'm, I'm not sort of recording it I did do what Jen says for a long time do it take that average of the week and that sort of thing but really now you know when I step on the scale it's just data and it's just a oh okay that's where I am today I don't let it impact my day at all anymore. Yeah. Oh, congratulations on losing that 100 pounds. I mean, that's amazing in itself. And I know how freeing that can be. And it's life-changing. And it's so great. And I'm really glad that you found a lifestyle that you love and you're enjoying it. And the weight's come off and just these things are happening for you. But let's talk about now when you first started fasting. You mentioned here that you were reluctant to give up that sort of milk in your tea and that sort of thing. And a lot of people do that. And I wanted to talk about that clean fast because something you said there about if I can fast for 22 hours and I can give up that milk. And I really love that. And I say that to people mm -hmm. that I mentor and help all the time. I say, look, 
if you can fast for 16 hours to 20 hours or whatever it is you do when you start, then you can give up that milk and your tea. You can give up that cream in your coffee. You can fast clean because that's just one small change you can make, which will make a hell of a difference. And just talking about that, did you notice that it made a difference when you switched from that sort of what we call dirty fasting to clean fasting, or was it just pretty seamless? So I have to be honest with you. I um, I I didn't notice a huge difference. I think maybe you know my fasts were a little easier. Um, you know, I I I didn't notice like a huge difference in the weight loss. That kept going, but um, possibly my fasts were a little easier. And definitely now that I'm you know, sort of I have a year under my belt and I really understand the, um, you know, all the good that comes from the autophagy. Like I don't want to sabotage that. So for me, a clean fast, it's, 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 you know, a non-negotiable. And, you know, now I, um, you know, I tried to drink the tea black (laughs) um, and I did that for a, a lot of months. And in the end, I'm just like, I don't like it black. So I'm going to wait until my eating window, and if I want a cup of tea with milk in it, I'll have it. And I actually did something that I thought I'd never do. I started drinking black coffee. And um, now I do that uh, in the mornings, and I, you know, I don't have a strong coffee because I don't like it that way. But, um, you know, I do put, you know, a a little bit of the um, Himalayan sea salt in it, and I find that that it's really palatable, and I'm, I really enjoy it now. I always say to people, I say, oh, I hate black coffee, or I hate black tea. I say, well, don't drink it then. <laughs> if you hate right. something, why drink it? You know, it's not a exactly. requirement to drink black tea or black coffee while you're fasting. I mean, it's, it is if you want to have it and you want it a clean fast, but if you don't actually like black coffee or black tea, then wait to your eating window and have it the way that you normally have it and just have water during your fast or plain sparkling water or whatever it may be. But let's talk about the protocol now. When you first started, Karen, what sort of fasting protocol were you doing and why did you choose that? Yeah, so um, I like to eat every day. Um, I've done a couple of longer fasts, but yeah, so I, I like to eat every day. So when I started, I started in pretty aggressively at like a 20-hour fast and then a four-hour feast um and you know that was pretty much what I was doing and you know, a few times life happens you know and I wouldn't be somewhere where I was going to eat and and it just sort of evolved really into like one meal a day and so generally um now Mondays through well Sunday through to through Thursday I eat between 4 and 6 p.m. And I like to finish, you know, kind of early. I don't really want to go to bed on a, you know, with a full stomach. So, yeah, and I like one meal a day. I, um, as I said, at the weekends, I have a sort of probably a longer eating window and I enjoy a glass of wine at the weekends and I'm oftentimes with friends or family. So, you know, eating sort of more of a thing at the weekend I find for me um but yeah I really I like OMAD a lot um it works for me it works for my schedule and you know there are times um 
you know, when a lunch is going to happen. Um, and, you know, now I'm work from home and we're not going back into the office. So occasionally now I'll meet up with somebody and they'll want to do lunch. And I'm like, I'm fine with that. You know, um, I, I love, I said this to Susan recently, I love the routine of fasting and doing OMAD, but I love the flexibility. So if there's a lunch or a special occasion, I just go with it and I enjoy that. Um, and But I have learned that if I do eat lunch, I have to have something that is um, – is very low in carbs. Otherwise, I just crash in the afternoon. Um, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, it was my nephew's birthday, and we went to Top Golf, and you know, everyone was there, and everyone's having a good time, and there was all that kind of like, you know, food—the chicken fingers and the sliders and the, you know, all of that stuff. And I ate that at lunchtime. And I tell you, when I was driving home, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so tired. I don't know if I can make the drive home. I just felt really bloated and tired. So if I go to lunch now, I like to eat something grilled, some veggies. I try to stay away from, like, carbs or sugar because I don't like the way I feel after it. I think that's pretty common, actually, the carb crash and that sort of afternoon, if you're not used to it, and on the weekends, I'm the same. Like if I go out for brunch with my wife, now I've been maintaining now, coming up three years. So on the weekends, like you, I like to have a bit of a longer window and do a brunch with my wife. And I know if I have like carbs like toast and stuff like that, then by the afternoon, I want to go and lie on the couch. I'm out. I'm asleep. And um, so, yeah, I'm the same as you. I try to do exactly the same thing. But I love sort of all that mindset you were talking about around how you were sort of the one meal a day and you love that and it suits your lifestyle and that you need this to be flexible, to be sustainable because that's really important, Karen. And I think people need to get that message that in order to make this a long-term lifestyle, you have to be flexible about it. And if there is a day where you have an occasion or something comes up, then you need to learn how to work around that because life's to be lived and enjoyed. It's not a chore. It's not something that we need to be sort of tied to a post that we have to do exactly the same thing all the time. You know, when I lost the weight, I did 23 and 1 OMAD, right? Nobody was knocking me out of that for nothing. I was laser focused. I was just doing that. I was hardcore. I wasn't giving up until I lost the weight. And that's just the way I was. That was my mindset at the time. But now living this lifestyle for a few years, I know how important it is to be flexible. So, and if you are going to make it a lifestyle, then make sure you enjoy your life at the same time. As Karen said, that's really important. But also, I'd like to talk about when you were uh, your eating window, were you restricting anything when you started or were you eating all the things or how did that work? So, that's interesting. Um, I think because I'd come off of, um, you know, sort of that few months of doing sort of calorie restriction I was sort of in this mode of maybe you know being more careful about what I put in my mouth like previously you know bread with every meal yes please sign me up but um you know I really I sort of had really started to examine what I was putting in my body and trying to think of what I was eating more as fuel and nutrition for my body than just like yummy food I want to eat it 
you know, I tried to really think how it, how is this serving my body? How is this serving my nutritional needs? How is this serving my health? And so I had kind of made that shift when I was doing the calorie counting. Um, so, but the interesting thing that happens is that what you want to, what I want to eat is different. My body craves different things now and the things that I crave are healthy. Um, so my sister's hilarious. She's sort of a bit of a carnivore and um, a carb girl. Um, and, and so when I'm with her, you know, and we have dinner together or she cooks or I cook, I'm like, yeah, I need a lot of vegetables. Like I need all the veggies with my, with my meal. So it's not enough to just have one veggie. Like I want three veggies with my meal because that is what I like to eat now. And, you know, the big colorful salads with all the different vegetables and, um, you know, that is what I kind of gravitate towards now. Um, you know, uh, um, not really, I haven't consciously tried to restrict carbs, but I just find that it's not really what I want to eat these days. I'm much more um, keen on, you know, the protein and the veggies and um, the good fats. Like I think I eat an avocado every day, um, you know, some really good yogurt and those sorts of things. And so I'm not really missing any food group if I want it I have it my uh, my boss makes the best homemade bread and if I'm going to have carbs I want them to be really good carbs like that and I want that bread and I want real butter and you know I'm not going to say oh I don't eat this or I don't eat carbs or I don't eat sugar it just has happened that that's just not really the kind of food I want to put in my body anymore yeah, that's a natural progression. I think most intermittent fasters find your taste changed. That was actually my next question. Did you find that your taste changed over time? And you answered a lot in there, and that's really interesting what you said about how you gravitated towards that sort of higher quality food, if you like, that nutrient-dense food that we love to eat in our windows, which is really important. And I always say, if I'm going to eat once a day, it's got to count. It's got to count. I am not going to fast all day then go and put poor quality food in my body. Why, why would you do that? I mean, I know some people love doing that every day and all power to them. I judge nobody for doing that. But for me personally, I'm not doing that. I'm just not because I'm not fasting for 23 hours or 18 hours or whatever it is and then turning around and just filling myself up with this poorly processed food because that's what I did all my life when I got so morbidly obese from doing exactly that. So that's the reason why I don't do it. So that's really important. And and now that you've mentioned it, that you gave up alcohol and that sort of thing and, and these tastes are changing, where do you see your food style going? I mean, let's talk about appetite correction, right? I mean, we, we understand what appetite correction is where we get to that point where we're eating in our eating window where we just almost like it's an automatic single uh, signal that you know that you're full and you stop. Did you find that you got to that stage and how long did that take you? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I got to that stage. Um, I think probably after maybe about four or five months, um, I don't ever remember before intermittent fasting really being able to listen to my body tell me anything like I don't ever remember thinking 
you know, oh, I'm full, I don't want seconds, or I don't have to eat everything on my plate. Um, it, yeah, I mean, I would just do that all the time. I wasn't in tune with what my body was telling me. Um, now I know very quickly um, I've had enough or I've had enough of that or I don't want any more of that. Um, and if I haven't finished everything on my plate, then that's fine. I, I, I don't feel a compulsion to, to clean my plate or, um, yeah, or do, do any of that stuff. So I'd say that probably it did kick in for me, you know, after about three or four months um, of fasting. And I love that. That's one of the things about fasting that I love so much is I actually can hear my body now. I know what it's telling me, um, which was the, those were signals I couldn't ever read or hear before. You're told by your parents, you sit at your table, you eat all the food, you clean your plate. You don't leave food over. You don't waste food. But it's like, hey, mum, I'm really full. I don't want any more. No, you're eating that plate. I've made all that dinner and you're going to eat a lot. And I think that's what sometimes leads to a problem with weight net with children, that they're sort of almost forced to eat the plate of food where sometimes they might not actually be hungry. They've already eaten enough. So something to think about anyway. The NSVs or the non-scale victories and the health benefits that come from fasting. Let's run through some of those now that came for you. Oh, yeah. So I think that like the weight loss is amazing, of course, but the things that the NSVs are amazing. So first off, and I'm sure, you know, losing 100 pounds has helped, but I've completely reversed high blood pressure. I had high blood pressure. I was on medication. Um, after I lost about 50 pounds, I was getting to the stage where I was getting up in the morning and feeling kind of a bit dizzy. So I went to see my doctor and he's like, well, I don't think you need that dose of medication. So he halved it and then I lost a bit more and eventually I came off of it. And um, so I do not have high blood pressure anymore. Um, I had pretty bad osteoarthritis in my knees, one of them in particular. That is much improved. Um, I used to suffer a lot, as I'd mentioned, with um, I suffered with kidney stones and a lot of UTIs. I haven't had any of that since I started um, intermittent fasting. I had um, a lot of, um, when I had breast cancer, I had a lot of radiation and surgery and that sort of thing. And I used to get a lot of breast pain and it would last for days and it would feel like a kind of an electric shock and it was just horrible. Um, don't get that anymore. I think, I think you mentioned this in, in your book. Um, the dental health thing is amazing. Um, the last three or four appointments I've had with my dentist, the, the hygienist is like, I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it. Um, she's like, you've got no tartar on your teeth. And this little one area of recession that we were watching over a tooth has completely solved itself. Um, so like, and so many things like skin tags, a couple of skin tags have gone. Um, my skin is fabulous. I've always had dry skin. I also reading about, you know, your issues with your skin as well and how, um, you know, things were drastically, drastically improved. And you were told that that was never going to improve. And okay, 
you did it, you know. So, so many things, so many um, non-scale victories that, you know, just continue to show themselves every day. And I love that. Yeah. And they'll keep coming for you. And that's something that, you know, even years into doing this, I find nearly every day something hits you in the face. Something. You know, you'll do something you'll think, wow, there's no way I could have done that when I was morbidly obese. And after a while, you just sort of think to yourself, man, why didn't I do this 20 years ago? You know, would have led such a, a well, I've had a really good life. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've had a great life, beautiful children, you know, beautiful wife, all of that family life. My work life's been fantastic. But, you know, I was an obese guy. There was a lot of things that I couldn't do that obese people just can't do. And then when you start doing them, and then I remember when I went on the 130-kilometer hike recently or a few months back now, and I was just standing on this ledge looking down this really steep track thinking I would have killed myself if I had I would have literally have died on that track because when I was the weight I was, there was no way I would have been able to do it. I would have collapsed in the sand and my mates would have had to leave me there. Just That would have been how it was. And now I can do all these things. And that's when we talk about non-scale victories and health benefits and intermittent fasting is so much more than the weight loss. And I think you're right. The weight certainly helps with all those things. There's no doubt about it, particularly with the psoriasis. And you mentioned the dental thing there. And yeah, that really freaked my dentist out because when I was morbidly obese, they said to me, you've got gingivitis, your teeth are gone, your gums are inflamed, you're going to have to have all your teeth out. And then I went back about a year after I'd started fasting, and he was looking at the x-rays, and he was just going, what is going on here? He said, this is like looking at two separate sets of x-rays. He said, your gum health is so much better. And, you, you know, it's incredible. And I told him about fasting and that, and he was just, well, whatever works, mate, is working for you. Keep doing it. And here I am, four years later. I still got my teeth. Well, four years ago, they wanted to pull them all out. So I'm safe for now from the dentures anyway. But let's talk also about exercise now. Karen, is exercise part of your routine or, or not really? So, um, you know, I've always said I'd rather starve than sweat, but <laughs> that is sort of, you know, is starting to change. I think, you know, when you're obese, the thought of exercise is pretty miserable because, um, you know, it's – well, you know what it's like. It's hot in the summer and just going out and walking is kind of miserable and – you know, um, you, you never really feel um, that you can do it. Like I had no stamina, you know, even just walking a few blocks was, was difficult and the arthritis was bad. And so I feel now that, and in fact, this is kind of my, um, you know, my thing for this year was to start to do more exercise. And so Without wanting to completely shock my body and, and end up on the floor somewhere, I started this year doing some stretch class, which is fantastic. I do that twice a week, and I'm looking to start yoga. Um, I also sort of walk. I have a dog, and I like to take her out for walks, um, and this time of the year is just beautiful. Um, so I'm sort of starting to exercise more, not anything probably like I'm not going to the gym yet, but, um, you know, I'm not, that may happen because I'm enjoying it. Like I love my stretch class. I'm excited to start my yoga class. Um, I, I like to walk, I like to be out there. And so I think 
you know, incorporating some strength training, which is what a lot of people seem to think is helpful, is something that I'm definitely going to do this year. Um, but just being able to like live your life, to be able to go shopping to a huge outdoor mall and walk around all day and, you know, not have to take a break and sit down and just all of that sort of thing just gives you, you know, it just gives you a much better quality of life. And so while I may never be a gym rat, I feel like at least now I can, you know, I'm a lot more mobile. I'm doing a lot more stuff and, you know, I'm, I'm just happier and healthier. Yeah. Well, I love that. I love the fact that you can just go out and walk around and not worry about the weight. And that's something that dominates your thoughts when you are very obese, let's face it. You can go out into the public mall, public arena. You feel like people are watching you. People are talking about you. People are sniggering about you. And then all of a sudden, I always say, you've probably heard me reference this before. It's like being beamed up by the Star Trek Enterprise as a very obese person. And then Spock sends you back down and you're a normal sized person. And you go out in the street. Nobody's looking at you. Nobody's laughing at you. Nobody's making jokes about you. And you just start thinking, wow. I'm almost invisible, and I love that fact. I almost feel like I'm invisible. Even though I'm still a big guy, six foot five tall, I still feel like I'm invisible, and it's so freeing, Karen. It's such a lovely feeling, not people not judging you about your size and, and just accepting the way that you are, and I think that's great. But also, we've got to talk now about support networks there, and they're very important, of course, and you've referenced Susan Metz, and a big shout-out to Susan. Uh, she's a good friend of the Fasting Highway and Susan's a very inspiring person, and she's another Kiwi making a, a life for herself in the great country of America there. So what about your support networks? How have they been for you? Yeah, so I'm so, so fortunate um, that, you know, my family have been incredibly supportive, really, you know, since day one. Um, you know, they've... So my mom and my sister live like three minutes away from me, which is wonderful. Um, and yeah, and they're really, really respectful of the fact that I fast. Um, you know, they know that I'm fasting and that if it's before four, I'm probably not going to put it in my mouth. Um, so, you know, I'm very, very lucky. Um, you know, my son has always been super active and, you know, he always said to me, Mom, I just want you to be able to be really mobile when you get older and I don't want you to be, you know, sort of worrying how you're going to get around and manage stairs and that sort of thing. So, you know, he's, you know, happy that, you know, I've found a way of life that I can really sort of, um, you know, I can, I can see this being the way I live the rest of my life. So, yeah, and I think um, – uh, Facebook, the Facebook groups, and I know I'm in a couple of them, um, are really, really helpful because even though we're all a bit of a study of one when it comes to intermittent fasting and what works for me or may not work for someone else, like there's a lot of common themes, right? There's a lot of, um, wow, this is happening. Did that happen to you? And sometimes it's really nice to just sort of hear other people's input. And I've learned so much from um, from the Facebook groups that, um, you know, I'm, I'm super thankful for those. And, you know, everyone's different. Like some people on there are kind of, um, you know, really kind of like by the book. 
some people are a little more loosey-goosey and then there's sort of people like me that are sort of in the middle you know I like the I like the structure and the routine but I like the flexibility so the support of those um you know those groups and you know even people I work with now they're like oh well you know we're going to do lunch but we know that you're fasting so um do you want to like meet later in the day or um you know we're going to do this is it okay like we're cool if you don't eat but <laughs> we want to we want to eat and I'm like absolutely I, it doesn't bother me if I just sit there and and drink my water um or have my coffee but um yeah the support of those people around me and the um the Facebook groups definitely um and the podcast too your podcast and gins and um you know I, I love gin and Melan, uh, Melanie Avalon who do another podcast so I listen to a lot of those and that's really really good support and it kind of helps you see that what you're doing is right and good um and you know that um that other people have the same sort of struggles too um and that's reassuring uh so yeah the support part of it is super super important totally agree totally agree with that and i think it's really important i always say stay plugged in right i mean people often ask me they say graham you've lost all the weight you successfully kept it off you're able to maintain it why do you get involved with these things why do you have a facebook group why do you why do you even go in these other groups why do you sort of you know you why do you do that and i say because i have to stay plugged into my tribe because when i pull that plug away from my tribe and i think i know it all or i think i don't need that support I'm going to flounder. I know that I'm going to flounder. And that's really important for me to see others in the same situation and help them, but help them with, you know, my experience maybe, but also for myself to be engaged and to be able to say to those people, hey, I was there too. I know what that feeling's like. And I want to be able to sort of run off that vibe and I want to keep myself motivated and I want to keep it there. But one thing you talked about before about your weight, and you're down in the 190s, 180s, um, what you said there. And you mentioned there that you don't really have a goal weight. And I think that's so great because I always say to people, hey, what about talking about a goal range rather than a goal weight? Because when you say a goal weight, I want to be 175, right? And you're getting down to 179 or 180 and it's not happening. It's not going back down to that 175. You start really getting really stressy about it. I want to lose that last five pounds, Graham. I want to lose that last 10 pounds, Graham. I'll say to people, well, hey, maybe your body doesn't want to lose that last five or 10 pounds. Maybe your body's really happy at that set point where it is. And I know when I got down to 100 kilos and I broke that, I got into 99 kilos, was just around 218 pounds or something like that. I mean, for me, being six foot five tall, that was pretty lean, right? And I remember thinking, man, I can get down to 95 here. And then I thought, wow, if I got down to 95, I'm going to be like a beanpole. I'm going to be, you know, really too thin for what I really wanted to be. And my original goal was 115 kilos because, as you know, I'm a great follower of the New Zealand All Blacks and rugby, and rugby's been a big part of my life. And at 115 kilos and six foot five, that's that's a pretty decent weight for a, a rugby player. And I always look fit and healthy. So that's what I wanted to be. And then I thought once I started getting down towards that 100 kilos, I started getting really obsessive about it. And I say to people, don't obsess over a number for a goal weight. Work out a goal range. It might be five to 10 pounds. And then when you get down there, you just use the tools of intermittent fasting to go up and just down and up 
and keep yourself in maintenance that way. And is maintenance something that you've thought about long term? Is that something you, you think about or are you just going to go with the flow? Yeah, I mean, I guess you do think about it. Um, and, you know, saying that I don't have a goal weight is because really now for me, what started as a weight loss journey is a health, is become a journey to health. And so what I'm more concerned about is am I fit? Am I lean-ish? You know, can I do the things I want to do? Um, you know, am I am I at a reasonable size where I can be healthy? And so for me, the number has become a lot less important, which is great because I must say that for the last couple of months, I've um, sort of been on a bit of a plateau myself. Um, I had some thyroid issues uh, last year with an overactive thyroid, which, you know, in order to correct that, sometimes it swings the other way, which is where I am now. But the thing is, it's like, through reading on the groups and asking questions of people who've had similar situations, like I know that this is just sort of a temporary thing until that hormone level gets sort of sorted out. So I'm not panicked about the fact that the weight loss is sort of, you know, plateaued a little bit because I know what's going on with my body. Right. And so, you know, that gives you sort of the, um, you know, the drive to know that, what you're doing is still benefiting your body in a healthful way. So just because the scale isn't dropping as fast as it did over the last year, I really don't I really don't care about that. People are like, oh my gosh, doesn't it make you kind of crazy that you're doing all this fasting and you know and you've kind of stalled for some weeks? And I'm like, actually no, because when I fast, I feel better. That's a huge thing for me. I feel better when I fast. So it doesn't matter if the weight is now moving slowly or or quickly or it hasn't moved at all for a, a while. What's more important to me now is I want to get my thyroid situation, you know, sorted out and leveled out and, you know, um, and then just continue to fast. And I know through listening to so many podcasts that this happens to people all the time you know your body will get to a certain weight and it'll you know and try to establish a new set point and that doesn't mean that's where you're going to end up it just means that's where you are right now so i really really believe that for me the actual number on the scale is not going to be what decides if i'm at my goal range or not it's going to be how i feel you know can I wear this and, and, and look good and be happy about it? Um, that, to me, is much more important now, uh, being a year in. Yeah, I think that's really important. Great mindset there. And speaking of mindset, we know the mental part of intermittent fasting, Karen, is so important, right? For me, and I've said this many times, the mental side of it is almost 95% of what we do because – Fasting in itself is a very simple process. You fast for a period of time, you feast for a period of time, you close your window, you repeat the process the next day. So the actual process of intermittent fasting is quite simple, and we know it's not that simple in terms of the mental side of it, being able to do it. 
So tell us about the mindset. I mean, you've displayed some great mindset in this podcast, I've got to tell you. So tell us about the mindset for you and the mental part of it. Yeah, so sometimes I feel um, that I kind of got off easy because the mental part of it for me has been reasonably easy to adjust to. You know, I want to be healthy and I want to be at a healthy weight um, I want to be able to be, you know, mobile and get out and do things. And so that sort of gives me the, the, the mental kind of picture of myself going forward of what I want to be. So I, you know, that's, that's just what I want. And knowing that I feel this much better now, you know, I can only think how I'm going to feel after two years and three years and, um, you know, I I love to cook, I love to eat, I love all of that. But I can do that and still fast because what fasting, the way fasting makes me feel is worth just, you know, as Jen says, you know, just delay that, don't deny it. Um, and so the mindset is really important, but I'm possibly a bit like you. Like when I put my mind to something, I'm all over it, right? Like, that's it. Like, I've decided to do this. It takes me a long time to decide to do it. But once I've decided, I'm in. This is it. And um, I think that's what helped me sort of start pretty aggressively. Um, And, you know, I was possibly a little more hesitant at the beginning to deviate too much from, like, one meal a day. Um, Now I feel feel more confident in sort of changing things a little bit or you know like I said if you have a lunch or a brunch and you're seeing friends that you haven't seen for a long time I want to eat with them that's like part of like the experience of of hanging out with your friends and seeing people that you love right so you know for me like I say I love that kind of routine the routine that um OMAD gives me and fasting gives me, but I love the flexibility as well. So, you know, in a lot of ways, I think maybe I'm lucky because I haven't struggled with that mindset as much as I think some people do. Um, but uh, yeah, it's um, it's it's not it's not that difficult for me. And, if I, and I always say to people, you know, I've got some friends who have started to to fast as well. And I always say to them, hey, listen, if I can do it, you can do it. Like, it's not that difficult to do. It just means that you need to have a, um, a goal or or something in mind or something that you want to reach. And you just work for it like we do with everything else in our lives. You know, you want to take a nice holiday? Well, what do you have to do? You have to stop, you know, Starbucks every day or um you know, you have to delay a lot of that stuff so you can save the money to go on holiday, right? It's no different than that. Yep. Now, yep. you know, it's it's just, okay, this is what I'm working towards and this is what I got to do. This is what how I have to do it. Yeah, 100%. You want something to happen? You got to make it happen. And it's the same as this fasting business. You got to make it happen. And one other thing I always say to people, the most important thing is is commitment Time, patience, those three things are very important. Time especially, because so often we read in the Facebook groups, hey, I've been doing this two weeks and I've only lost three pounds. You say, well, you've been doing it two weeks and you lost three pounds. 
Well, multiply that by 52. You've lost 75 pounds, you know. Let's, let's be patient here. Let's give it time. And I always say to people, when you start intermittent fasting, give it six to 12 months before you make a full evaluation because that's the time you need to see all the other benefits start filtering through that will come from living this lifestyle. You won't see them in the first maybe week or two weeks or three weeks sometimes, but over a period of time, you'll start noticing them. And remember, it's not all about weight loss. And if you can reverse some of the health issues you have in your life by doing intermittent fasting, well, there's a win right there. And you mentioned those things before, the blood pressure, the skin, the knee, all those things are so freeing. And you start thinking to yourself, man, it's like me, I had arthritis in my fingers. I could hardly open my hands in the morning when I woke up. And after six months of intermittent fasting, that went away. The psoriasis went away, completely vanished off my body something I've had for 20 years of my life. And as you mentioned, I've been told three times by the best specialist in Australia, you will never get rid of this. You have this for life. It's got nothing to do with your diet. Well, I don't agree with that because I feel that it has everything to do with your diet because I was a sugar addict, as you know, and a fast food addict. And I think those two toxic things that I was putting in my body were helping that psoriasis feed itself. I'm convinced of that. Absolutely convinced of that. Nobody can tell me any different because I saw it vanishing off my body when I started doing intermittent fasting. I've interviewed other people in this podcast. Daniel and Keely Buckley, go back to that podcast. They were the same. Massive amounts of psoriasis all over Keely's body. Her head, her neck, her knees, her arms vanished. Unbelievable. And I hear this all the time from people. So, you know, it's pretty there. But before we go, I wanted to talk... um, you obviously have a lot to offer in terms of how to get started and you're involved with groups and you talk about that sort of thing. So if you're sitting down having a coffee with somebody there in Georgia that you just met and you wanted to explain a bit about intermittent fasting, what sort of words of motivation and wisdom would you give them just to get going on their journey? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I I talk about intermittent fasting every chance I get. Um probably much to the chagrin of my friends and family. But um, I think, you know, like you were saying, we don't, we don't get to be obese overnight. And so intermittent fasting is not going to solve all of those issues overnight either. It's going to take a long time, you know, for a lot of people to see those results, um, especially the, the sort of the non-scale victories. Right. Um, and, and I think, you know, today we're so used to everything being so instant, right? Like you want to you wanna watch something, you don't have to w- wait every week and watch an episode. You can binge the whole thing on Netflix, right? You know, if you want to know something, go straight to Google. You, you want uh, groceries, you order it. You want something to eat, there's Uber Eats. We're just so used to having everything so quickly and so conveniently. And I think the thing with, um, with intermittent fasting is, you know, like you said, Graham, you didn't become a sugar addict overnight or addicted to, you know, fast food. That doesn't happen overnight. That happens, happens over years and years and years. So when you start intermittent fasting, you know, you, it might be some people start off by losing quickly. Some people lose a bit more slowly. Some people are two pounds a week. Some people are, you know, 0.2 pound a week. So we're all, this is where we're all that case study of one. So, you know, I would just say that 
you know, trusting the process. And we hear that phrase thrown around a lot, but it really is true. Just trust the process that once your body starts to adapt to what you're doing, your body will release the weight. It will, you know, you will become fat adapted. You won't crave the carbs anymore. You won't want to, you know, you won't have that slump because you don't want to eat the carbs at lunchtime. You know, things will start to just organically happen that will give you the impetus to keep going on, right? So when we see these good things happening or we see the weight loss or the the health benefits start to appear in our daily life, then it gives you that kind of, you know, push to keep going. And so I guess that would be the one thing is don't, you know, don't expect your journey is going to be like everyone else's journey and don't expect it's an overnight thing because it's not. Um, so I think those will be sort of the biggest, um, the biggest pieces of advice. And just one more thing, Graham, like um, people often say to me, you know, what is difficult for you about intermittent fasting? And I'm going to tell you, the only difficulty I have is I love to cook, right? And so I quite often want to cook during my fasting time and, you know, cook ahead of time or prep stuff. Like the only thing that is difficult is I can't taste the food for seasoning. And like that's the only thing that is I, I now have to think about that. Well, if I cook that, I better try and cook it like when my window's open or I'll cook that round at my sister's place so she can try it, right? So like that's the only sort of thing that um, I have to be really conscious of. The rest of it has just happened very organically and um, I'm very grateful for that. I'm just grateful that this way of life fits me and I've seen such sort of great successes. I'm so thankful, so thankful. Yeah, fantastic advice. Thank you so much. I love that uh, food tasting suggestion here with your sister. We've got a really, we've got a really fussy sausage dog here, and we often test food on him because if he won't eat it, it's not eatable. Let me tell you. So it's a really great thing. But I cannot tell you, Karen, what a pleasure it's been to have you here on the podcast today. You've given so much wisdom and so many great insights, and I really love your mindset. And I really love to have you back on the show in six months' time, and we can catch up with you and talk about where you're at then. But Karen Kale, thank you so much for joining me here on the Fasting Highway. Thanks, Graham. I really enjoyed it. No worries, and a big shout out to all the Kiwis there in America, and uh, keep enjoying your life. Okay, talk soon. Bye. Oh, thank you so much, Karen. I thoroughly enjoyed that chat with you and I found it very inspiring and motivational. And I think you dropped some real nuggets of wisdom, which is a testament to the mindset that you have around the intermittent fasting lifestyle. So thank you for sharing that with us. It was great. Okay, folks, as mentioned, uh, you come come and join us here on the Fasting Highway Facebook community. Uh, there's a lot of people there now, some 6,000 in a short space of time from around the world. So if you want to come and be inspired, then come and join us there. And also, we also mentioned my book, The Fasting Highway. Uh, if you want to get a sort of a handle on what it's actually like to live an intermittent fasting lifestyle, and get a bit of a step-by-step insight by someone who's done it, that being myself, then get hold of my book, The Fasting Highway. Uh, you can get a copy on Amazon and both paperback and Kindle. 
If you are in New Zealand, uh, you can get a copy on the website at www.thefastinghighway.com. Anyway, folks, until next week, be well, be safe, and remember, clean fasting is everlasting.